We continue in our verse-by-verse study through the book of Philippians. Last week we studied chapter 3, verses 12 through 16, with the focus being on maturing in Christ, growing in our Christian lives. And today our focus, highly practical, I believe, in knowing how the maturation process is aided or how it is impeded. And it can be either way. If you'd make your way to Philippians chapter 3, verses 17 through 21, for a message titled Exemplary Living. Living in following examples, living in being an example. So uh, it kind of is a, is a big broad brush sweeping over that whole concept of exemplary living. Philippians 3 beginning in verse 17. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them who walk, even as you have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite or their belly, and whose glory is in their shame who mind earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our lowly body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Before Melodies and my dad was saved, he came to know the Lord at age 50, But before that, he used to say to me regularly as a teenager, when I was a teenager, Vic, do as I say, not as I do. Now, he meant well in saying that, and he learned how foolish that counsel was once he came to know the Lord. Because monkey see, monkey do. You follow the example which is set before you, especially if that person has a place of authority, has a great influence on you. It's not likely uh, that I would do that because we do follow, all of us follow examples throughout life. And it begins when we're very young. Think about it, when you were very young or maybe you have recently had little ones or, or, or grand little ones, uh, that is, children, grandchildren who are just now growing up, they learned how to walk, how to talk, and how to balk, by the way, through example, yes, their ambulation, their articulation, and their argumentation between mom and dad were learned by example. And so the example can be good, it can be quality, or it can be a very poor example. Today in our text, we're reminded of the importance of examples in our lives, and that reminded me, and I trust that it reminds you, if we also had examples we followed, and those that we should not have followed, it means that there are those looking at you, looking at me as an example Um, and what will they see, and should they follow that example? First of all, we see in verse 17 
the exhortation to follow positive examples. We're given that the very first word, in fact, in verse 17 of the Greek text is the word from which we get not just mimic, but mimic together. Uh, there, there is a, uh, uh, I believe this is the prefix, which says, uh, ties it together. So you all in the Philippian church, the apostle Paul said, are to mimic me. Paul told the Philippians to corporately mimic him. But Paul was not arrogant. He was not saying, I have finally arrived. In fact, in, a, in an earlier message and in an earlier text, I have not yet attained, he said. I've not arrived yet. I'm not there yet. I am pressing toward the mark. I'm heading in that direction. But sinless perfection? No, I'm a ways out of that. Absolute commitment? No, I'm a ways from that. So he wasn't bragging when he he said, I want all of you to follow me, to mimic me, because he qualified it in, um, in what he would have shared with them for, them for the time that he was with them and the 18 months that he was with the Corinthians when he said in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, be you followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. And so to say do what I say, not as I do, is in fact just the opposite of Scripture. It's to follow me as I follow him. It's qualified. And I want to say that to you as well. Uh, and, I, and I want you to be able to say that to me and to one another. Let's follow one another. Let's lead one another as good, positive, godly, uh, consistent, selfless, humble examples of following the Lord Jesus so that Others would want to mimic that as well. That's your heart desire in your own life. Amen? And it ought to be for each one of us and for his church. You too can say, if you are a follower of Christ, you can also say, though I'm not perfect in every action and attitude, but as much as is in me, I long to honor and follow the Lord. I want people to see Jesus in me. I want people to follow my godly example. Folks, I want that. And I told, uh, I told Kathy, I think it was even maybe this morning or, or, or yesterday, I said, there were times when my kids were growing up, uh, when they were children and when they were teenagers, uh, I would set them down either co collectively, that is the four of them together, or more often individually. I didn't do it every week. I didn't do it every month. I might not have done it every year, but I did it a number of times. When I would say, do you find dad's life to be credible? Do you see that I believe and behave what I preach and what I say that I believe? Because if they don't see it, there are problems, amen? If they don't believe it, if they don't find it to be credible, and I want to know, do you see a consent? Well, dad, you're not perfect. You know, yeah, I, we know that. <laughs> That's established. But do you see that there is a consistency, a commitment, a conviction to really living for Jesus, making a difference for the cause of Christ? Kevin and I want our neighbors to see that. We want them to know this is a lighthouse for the gospel emanating from our lives. You want that, child of God? Amen? Um, Paul said, I want you to be able to follow me uh, as I follow Christ. He didn't set himself up as being perfect. He didn't say that he was on the level of Jesus. He was simply saying uh, that I tenaciously and I passionately desire to follow the Lord, and he exhorted them to do the very same thing. Notice also in verse 17, it wasn't just the great apostle uh, 
who, that told the Philippian believers to follow him, he also referenced other positive examples. Notice in verse 17, mark them, notice them, take note of those who also follow as you have us. For an example, I was, uh, I was messing with, the, uh, with my Sunday school class this morning, young adults, young single adults, uh, and there's a couple of sibling combinations in my class, uh, the, Nefor, uh, the four Nefor, uh guys and gals and, um, and the meek um, uh, young people. Um, not only is that their last name, but they're also meek, by the way, uh, parenthetically. Uh, and, I, uh, and I was pitting them against one another. And I would say, now, Stephen, what would mom and dad say if they were asked, is, and then I would swing over and say, if Esther is credible and put her on the spot. Boy, how uncomfortable would it be to be in my class? And then I said to, I think I said to Levy, I'm not sure if I said it to him or to one of the others, and how credible would it be if novice was on the spot? What am I saying? What am I doing? It applies to each one of us. Each one of us will be a positive example to follow or we will not be one way or the other. Well, Paul told the Philippians that there are some other examples there. Mark those also as an example to follow. And who was he referencing? Well, certainly he was referencing the pastors and the deacons. You think it's good to be able to follow the example of the pastor in a local church? Anybody agree that that's a good idea? Anybody, uh, is it a good idea to be able to follow the deacons in a local church? You deacons, if you would, stand up. Redbridge deacons, stand up right where you are, if you would, please. I want, see, Scripture says, uh, you say, preacher, why are you doing this? It says, mark those who are positive examples to follow. Doesn't it say that? Does it say that in verse 17? Identify those who are positive examples to follow. And by virtue of First Timothy chapter 3, also referencing, and you wives, Deacon Wise, if you would stand up with your husband, stand right up next to them, if you would. Some of them maybe work in the nursery. And you, uh, uh, you staff members, stand right up if you would. Go right ahead. And you wives, if you would. Okay. Now, this is not to say this is everyone. This is not uh, uh, the totality of who we are marking as those to follow. But Scripture says, identify those that you ought to reasonably view as leaders to follow. Thank you, leaders. If you'll notice in verse one of chapter one, amen, praise the Lord. And they are, and they, and they are credible witnesses. And we could, we could put the missionaries in there, our Sunday school teachers in there, and, and our wanna leaders, and on and on and on. Chapter one in verse one, notice it says, Paul and Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints who are filled by with the bishops and the deacons. Mark those who are worthy of following that example. Now, leaders, folks are following your example. They're kind of taking their cue from you, as it were, that this is the way to go. This is the way to act. This is the way to react in the church. Not everyone in Philippi was acting and reacting just as God would have wanted. We'll get into that in chapter four. Um, so, pastors and deacons. Also, we see that Timothy is referenced in chapter one and verse one. In chapter two, 
verse 19 through 22. If you look at chapter 2, verses 19 through 22, um, I trust the Lord to send Timothy shortly unto you that I may be of, that he, that I may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for you. In other words, Timothy is my right-hand man. I planted you all as a local church, Acts chapter 16, with Lydia and the house church at Philippi. But other than Timothy, uh, I can't pick, no one else comes to my mind who, who will better represent me than will Timothy. In other words, I'm identifying who is good to follow. Notice also in chapter 2, you see Epaphroditus in chapter 2, verses 25 through 30. Verse 25, I thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger, he that ministers to my need, he, he longed after you all. And so we have Epaphroditus as one who is being marked out, identified, targeted as a positive example to follow. And then, of course, the Lord Jesus himself is the quintessence of example to follow. We see that in chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. The mind of humility, of submission to his Father, of obedience to the word, of selflessness, of sacrifice. Let that, follow that example. He's the quintessence of a positive example to follow. So we have the uh, exhortation to do that. And then we have the examples given of examples that we are to follow. And then, folks, by extension, we uh, apply that in our own church. In fact, Jesus is such an example to follow that five different places, no less than five places in Matthew, Jesus said, follow me. And he said in Matthew 16, 24, then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. He didn't have to qualify it for himself because when he said, follow me, he's saying, follow perfection. I am the gold standard and follow me. So we are exhorted in this text to follow positive examples. Um, John uh, stated in 1 John 2, 6, he that says he abides in him, in Christ, ought to walk even as he walked, even as Jesus walked. That's why Paul said, follow me as I follow the Lord. And I say that to you, and we say that to one another, follow my example. I am purposing to set a good and godly and consistent example of the Lord Jesus. Follow me as I do, in fact, follow him. That's a good thing, to follow a good and godly example. Secondly, we see in our text, verses 18 and 19, that we are to avoid, we're to forsake negative examples. We're to follow positive examples. We're to forsake negative examples. And Paul said in verses 18 and 19 of chapter 3, there's lots of folks out there who walk, they deny, they reject the Lord. They're enemies of the cross. Don't follow them. Notice it says there are many. And folks, there are still many. You know, as I understand it, it's not like I'm visiting around churches. 
on Sundays. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm typically, uh, I typically don't visit other churches, you know, on Sundays. Amen. <laughs> I'm typically here, so I don't know exactly what's going on. But what I hear from folks and what I see uh, on, uh, on, uh, online and, and recorded and, and, and this and that is that there's not a whole lot of preaching going on anymore. Uh, what is that all about? What does a pastor say and talk about authoritatively and without error if he's not bringing the text to light? What, I, mean, I mean, you talk about we're all nice people. Isn't it a pleasant day out there? Uh, Chiefs are having another winning season. What do you talk about? What is it that you do? I don't have enough time, enough intelligence, uh, enough creativity to just make up little oratory ditties that, that don't mean anything. I don't even know what that even means. It's the, Paul told Timothy just before Paul died, he said, preach the word. And he said to do it in two, at two times, in season or out of season. I like what MacArthur, how, how he interprets that verse. He says, I don't know what in season, out of season means, but I know if I'm in season, I'm not out of season. And if I'm out of season, I'm not in season. What it's saying is preach the word all the time. Oh, never your own thoughts, your own politics, your own views, your own persuasions, that which is grounded in the actual word of God. And so w- w- we do that here. We do that here because folks, Warning against wayward morality. Warning against uh, worldly philosophy. And for a pastor, warning against wacko theology, which is abundant in our day. That is his calling to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And if your personal life is what it ought to be, if your mind and your beliefs are what it ought to be, and if your theology is what it ought to be, you're going to be just fine. While you are in this world, you're not going to be of the world. And so we are surrounded by negative examples begging us to follow. Here's the way. Here's the philosophy. Here's the new, uh, the new thought and the new ism and the new belief that certainly you'll want to follow this. Oh, does it line up with the Word of God? Is it consistent, complementing what Scripture actually says, or does it not. Paul constantly warned the churches against false doctrine. He said in Acts 20, 28 through 31, take heed, pay attention unto yourselves. Y'all pay attention to the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed, to shepherd the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. It's not your church, it's his church. For I know this, that after my departing, Paul was telling the Ephesian leaders, after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. And also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn every one night and day with tears. He was always warning folks. You know how you don't really know someone until you live with that person in, in marriage? Um, you've heard me say, uh, Kathy and I have married for a couple of months. Uh, she'd never been married. I'd been married almost, my, 
almost my entire adult life. And two months into marriage, she looked at me and said, Vic, I, I didn't know guys, I think she said boys, I didn't know boys acted this way. <laughs> and, and I didn't shudder. I, oh, no. I laughed. <laughs> yeah, we do. This, this is who we are. And how many of you all believe Kathy is naturally a nicer person than me? Okay, good. <laughs> you get a gold star. She absolutely is nicer. I've been watching for over six years. I don't think she knows how to be mean. I don't think she knows how to. <laughs> it's really quite comical. Um, but she has heard me rail about errant theology so many times. And I think initially she thought I was being mean when I would blast heresy. And I mean just let her rip on heresy uh, and, uh, and write about it and speak about it and all. Um, it took a little bit, of, it was an adjustment. That's why where I'm going with this, there was an adjustment, just like there is in marriage with one another, kind of getting to f- uh, feel where uh, each person is. You know. And of course, my motivation is there are, there's heretics who don't spare, they don't care about the flock. They're wanting to destroy the sheep. And the, and, the, and the flock. And it's my calling to head that off, to warn. And I'm, I mean, yes, I'm mean and I'm unkind, but that's not the motivation for doing that. It's to do what Scripture says. Now look at verse 18, if you would, in our text. For many walk. Speaks of lifestyle, because it's, it's the prefix peri. Walking around, if you're going wherever. Intentionally disseminating error in belief and behavior. Folks, those who do not embrace the exclusivity of the cross, that is, it's the cross alone. I am the way, the truth, and life. Neither is there salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Those who will not embrace that, wrap their arms around and say, yes, that is gospel truth. They're enemies of the cross. It doesn't matter how nice that person is. Uh, it, that, that's not an example to follow. In fact, Second John, one chapter uh, in the book, verses nine through eleven, says, Who, "Whosoever transgresses, sins, and, and misses the mark, and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ, he doesn't have God. He's not, he's, not, he's, not a, he's not a child of God. He that abides in the doctrine of Christ, that is, who Christ is, what he has done, he hath both the Father and the Son." If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed, for he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. We are to identify that which is a negative, an errant example, and warn people not to follow. You are wise to tell your children and your grandchildren, no, it's not an alternative lifestyle. It is debauchery. No, it is not uh, 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 the freedom to do this, that, or the other thing, to pollute your mind, to, to all the rest. No, it is sin. Parents, grandparents, let's stand strong for biblical truth and set a positive example and reject, openly reject and renounce the negative examples we see everywhere in our culture. The Apostle Paul did that for the Philippians. 
Now you'll notice in verse 19, he offers four characteristics which describe these negative examples. It says, the end of these folks is destruction. That is, their destiny without Christ is, uh, comes to an end. Comes to an end in the sense of uh, an end of, of any hope. They go on for eternity, uh, but it is in a, a place of utter suffering and sorrow. And so this is a serious, it's a sober warning that we're given. You know, basically they're, 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 they're following the way of fools. And in Act, uh, Proverbs chapter 8, verse 36, it speaks about wisdom. Uh, the me here and the me is not specifically a reference to God. It's, a, it's as if wisdom is speaking. The context has wisdom speaking. And so, but he that sinneth against wisdom wrongs his own soul. You're hurting yourself. If you will not accept biblical theology, biblical truth, you are hurting yourself. Yes, all that hate wisdom love death. Oh, my. We have a message to tell to the nations that there is a way which seems right unto a man. The end thereof are the ways of death. But there is a way, a truth, and there is life found in Christ, in Christ alone. Be that positive example. So, whose end is destruction? Also, whose God is their belly or their appetite? They only want what they want. They don't want God's will. Whose glory is in their shame? Uh, my opinion is what matters, motivated by pride. Who mind earthly things? No heart interest in God. Folks, verse 19 was my resume when I was lost. Maybe it was yours. I was headed toward eternal death, my appetite, what I wanted in life, it's the only thing that mattered, and I was prideful about it. Well, I'm only hurting myself. No, you're sinning against God. Well, it's my body. Uh, oh, just wanted to throw my shoe. Got to move this because it costs too much money if I knock it over. Wanted to throw my shoe at the TV when I saw all the rejoicing that was going on in Ohio this week when I think it was a constitutional, state constitutional amendment uh, allowing basically uh, for abortion at, at any time, at any context, in any circumstance, complete, absolute, no restrictions whatsoever. It would take a constitutional, a U.S. constitutional amendment, I presume, to rule that null and void. And people were rejoicing, shouting, jumping up and down. Finally, we have the absolute right that cannot be overturned to the right of our own bodies. I said, okay, if you want the right of your own body, that is an argument. The baby is not your body. The baby is in your body. The baby is not your body. The baby is his or her own living soul procreated in the image of God. It is so, so disturbing. Whose glory is shameful. And that is exactly who I was. Who mind earthly things. 
Oh, I would give lip service. Oh, God must exist. Oh, yeah, the Bible is, uh, tells us about God. I didn't know what it said, didn't know what it, and I didn't care. I was lost, spiritually dead, and I was not an example that you should follow. Until coming to know him and believing in his word, believing the gospel, and having a new nature created, as Ephesians says, in righteousness and true holiness. So avoid, shun, reject negative examples. Okay, preacher, how do you do this? Verses 20 and 21 tells us how. By focusing on eternal expectations. I am expecting with 100% assurance from the word of God to be in his presence as all of God's people will be for all eternity. Now that motivates me. That is a prescription that if I'll get that filled every day by continually staying near the heart of God, seeing him as high and lifted up, I am not going to follow negative examples and I am going to follow positive examples, godly examples. I'm going to know what to reject. I'm going to know what is truth, what is right, what is proper, what is uh, uh, God-honoring. As I keep my attention focused heavenward. In fact, Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says, if you be or since you're risen with Christ, you were dead, he, wrote, he, he resurrected you spiritually, seek those things, pursue Hunger after those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection, your heart's desire, on things above, not on things on the earth. Have an eternal expectation that he could, uh, uh, the trumpet could sound, and the dead in Christ could be uh, raised first, and then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together within the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. First Thessalonians 4. Uh, teaches us have that expectation always on your heart now notice the results of focusing on eternal expectations and it's not something that the believer does for himself or herself in verse 21 who shall change the lowly body that it may be fashioned like into his glorious body according to the working by which he is able to subdue all things unto himself. It's a, it's a work of God. Just like salvation is of the Lord, Jonah 2, 9. And it's a work uh, of the Lord to regenerate you, to wake you up from deadness, to grant you f- repentance, to turn from sin, faith to receive him. For even faith is the gift of God, Ephesians 2. So too is his capacity to resurrect me bodily, if I die first, or rapture me physically if I'm still alive. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We shall not all be dead, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trump, the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal shall put on immortality. Uh, And when this uh, corruptible shall have put on uh, incorruption, and when this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death <laughs> is swallowed up in victory. <laughs> oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Sting of death is sin, the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, the rapture of the church. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 57. That is what this is intimating. 
that very moment. 1 John 2, 28, and chapter 3, and verse 3. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. And if you had this hope, if you had this expectation of eternity, you're going to purify yourself even as he is pure. You're going to steer clear of the world. Oh, yes, you're in the world. But because you want to follow godly examples and you want to be a godly example, then you are going to steer clear of heresy, of immorality, of, of greed, of pride, of unforgiveness, of all, you name whatever the fleshly manifestation is of not following the Lord. First Timothy 6.14 says that thou keep this commandment, the commandments of, of, of being that, that example Timothy was to be, without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. So setting my affection on things above, making my focus eternal, expecting the Lord to call home his church at any moment. If that is my heart attitude, I'm going to absolutely chase after godly examples and want to rub up, rub shoulders, partner with those folks. And I'm going to want to steer clear of those who will lead me down the wrong path. Exemplary living. We follow examples and others follow our examples. Let's be consistent in it being characterized uh, in following the Lord Jesus. Lord, I'm thankful for this, your word, the truth of it, and how Paul made it clear he hadn't arrived. He hadn't attained perfection, but he did have a passion to press toward the mark. And that there are godly examples to follow. And there, and there, but there's many who are enemies of the cross of Christ. And in our culture, the majority, certainly in the media, and the uh, the, those who have persuasive platforms. May we always, Lord Jesus, be looking to you, turning our eyes upon you and following your example. Seal this, your word.